You're listening to Talk Drive Radio. I'm Kelly. And I'm Thomas Third. We're them damn Indians. Since it is March Madness and we are uh, talking basketball, this is from ABC News. And the headline is, Following Criticism, NCAA Upgrades Weight Room for Women's Basketball Players. Following criticism over the disparity between men's and women's training facilities during March Madness, the NCAA revealed an upgraded weight room for Saturday for female basketball players competing in the Division I tournament. NCAA officials apologized Friday after images and videos surfaced on social media this week showing the stark differences between the women's and men's weight room facilities in Texas and Indiana, respectively. And you should see this is this is posted on our social media. So you go and you look for yourselves. Lynn Holtzman, the NCAA's vice president of women's basketball, promised to have improvements in place by Saturday morning. We fell short this year, Lynn said. I've experienced when you don't have this something that's the same, a former college basketball player. This is also why it hits such a nerve with me. There's an accountability aspect as this conversation moves forward that is front of mind. University of Oregon forward Sedona Prince, who helped spotlight the disparity in the weight rooms in a viral social media post, social media video, posted an update from the new facility Saturday afternoon. Social media is powerful. Thank you for y'all's support, is what she said. Some of the new equipment was already ordered or was going to be assembled just for the Sweet 16 teams, according to ESPN. NCAA officials also accepted equipment offers from companies made over social media, ESPN reported. The weight room controversy has touched on larger issues of inequality in women's college basketball from the difference in the number of Division I teams that compete in the women's 64 versus the men's 68 to social media branding that focuses on men's games. Women's basketball is a popular sport whose stock and presence continues to rise on a global level, South Carolina women's basketball coach Don Staley said in a statement Friday night. It is time for NCAA leadership to reevaluate the value they place on women. I know Don Staley was coaching. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why – People don't find women's basketball as exciting. I'm, and I'm, you know, I don't know if it has to do with the dunking as much as anything else, but I've always loved to watch women's basketball. Like, I, I always got into it. And, you know, I like seeing pretty girls play ball anyway. Like, that's that's kind of cool anyway. But, I mean, just watching, like, the, the level of skill, like, in men's basketball – you see a lack of a lot of fundamentals because you got a lot of people that are just kind of like they're looking for the the rawest athlete to turn into whatever they need them to to be. Um, you want the the highest jumpers, the fastest, the you know the longest, whoever's the tallest, whoever's got the longest reach, you know all that kind of stuff. And and if you have all that it seems like there's a lot of those kids that don't work on certain fundamentals. They don't think about the stuff that they don't do well and work on that. And you see a lot lot better fundamentals in the women's game. But it is, I mean, it's sad because it's, it, it's always been a difference. Like you can, it's a noticeable difference between how they, 
how they hype up the women's game and and how they hype up you know uh, the men's game um and I, and I can you know at some point you have to quit worrying about how much money people bring in because that's the whole that's the whole point of those college athletics is that it doesn't matter who brings in more money you still need to give them equal opportunity to be able to to regardless of sport or regardless of of sex you know like you should be offering them the same opportunities at the same kind of you know like like just the difference in the weight in the weight rooms like the training rooms like that's that's ridiculous like what like what what is the justification for that you know and i mean in that past how many how many women were involved in that decision making to say and and how many of them passed by that and said, you know what, that's all right. That'll be good enough. Well, here's the hypocrisy of it. We've been talking about these different bills against transgendered athletes, and it's like I said, it offends me that they automatically think that men are better athletes than women. Number one. Number two. Uh, that lends itself to this hypocrisy of, well, you know, we got to protect the women and, you know, these weak little girls and, you know, kind of thing like, oh, well, how many of them really lift weights or, or need a need a solid weight room Shit. kind of There's thing? Some yeah. Them women that oh, lift yeah. Way more but, than but 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 I'm talking about <laughs> but I'm talking about the rationale here. Yeah. I'm talking about the leadership here because you're right. Somebody somewhere okayed that. Somebody, a lot of people did. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of people that that walked past that and didn't didn't say something. <laughs> you know what I mean? That didn't think this is wrong. But that's but that disparity is there across all sports. Um, women's soccer, for example. Uh, you know, women's. I mean, just all of, every sport, every sport. Where women have broken through, um, it, it's just it's always this way, and I don't know why. I mean, if women are so fragile and all this kind of stuff, why wouldn't you ensure their safety by making sure they had the best equipment, making sure they had those things where they could protect themselves with with you know with with the best like the men have. They're not going to give the men some rickety old, you know, weight bench or anything else like that. Are you kidding me? They somebody's somebody can hurt themselves on on equipment like that. Yeah. And and that's just them not I mean you could find sponsorship opportunities. There are, there are people that are willing to get behind women's basketball like like the Dicks in Texas that sent a bunch of weight equipment for the, you know, for the women's uh, training room. Like, I mean, the NCAA has to be held at fault here, right? Because yeah. they're the they're the ones that are over both of these tournaments. They, they, they run the men's and the women's tournaments, and they pick the facilities, and they make sure that everything, you know. So, I mean, if you really – I've never been to either one. I've never been to an NCAA tournament game. So especially not like a, you know, sweet sweet sixteen or whatever they're getting down to now. So I don't know what the differences are between the men and the women's facilities when it comes to that because I figured 
at the top, uh, you know, when it comes to a, a women's tournament, you're still going to have your pick out of the best campuses to to hold these these games at. You're still going to have the best facilities. You're still going to, you know, you're going to have all that. And so why is it that that where they're having the tournament is so much different? Like, how, and how does how do you okay that? Like, like there's like there's no women working in the NCAA offices to come through and say, "Hey, this is fucked up." I mean, and, and it shouldn't even have to be a woman. Like somebody should have walked through there and been like, "Like, well, look, we toured both facilities, and uh, this this one weight room is not comparable with the other one. We need to fix that." Well, but what about the culture, though? What about this this Title Nine culture of, well, if it's toxic, like you know, if you, if the women can't say anything or if they don't have an equal voice within yeah. that NCAA administration, and the culture itself is toxic within that, that would lend itself to a lot of these different uh, issues regarding sexual assault, regarding all of these other things that center around these athletes that the NCAA chooses to, and how they choose to handle it. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, it's a huge deal. I mean, like we talked about LSU before and, and that toxic culture that was going on at LSU. And amazingly, nobody said anything. It was nothing done until after their championship run and dudes are in the NFL and all this kind of stuff. I mean, <clears throat> you're telling me that right now Deshaun Watson is up to nine lawsuits. Twelve. Is it? Well, Tw- it said today? 12 women, but I, I saw there was nine lawsuits filed okay. altogether. Okay. But it was, it was supposed to be up to 12, at least up to 12 women or whatever it was. Um, but... But you're telling me that there was never anything else that happened while he was at Clemson or, you know, well, anything else? That's that story that I heard today. That story that I heard today said nobody ever came forward to file any complaints against him. So, you know, so nothing. So if nobody comes forward, well, we're not, you know. Nothing can be done, right? But why didn't these women come forward? Well, because they're massage therapists, because of what they do. I mean, there's just... uh, (laughs) This dude, the more I hear about him, not that I was ever a particular fan of him anyway, but the more I hear about him, it's just like, you're a predator too. He is just another predator that has been allowed to be glorified because he can play ball. So who cares that he's preying on these women? It's it's the same thing. And, and, and when he was in college, if there were issues like that, who does that fall toward? That falls to the NCAA, doesn't it? That falls shit. to the school. Falls to the coach. Coach can make a lot of shit disappear. Whenever you're as big as, as you know, he played at Clemson. You know what I mean? Like at that at that period, that was whenever Clemson was building what they are now. Um, shit, he, he was the king around there. Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's it's a whole like when do we start holding people accountable for being accomplices and being enablers? 
You know, like people that just stood by and let this shit happen. I mean, whether you're whether you're running the Title IX office or you're the coach or you're, you know, anybody that, that knew about this shit and didn't say something. Or somebody who hushed somebody that did say something. You know, like, how do you, like, when are you going to start holding these people accountable? Because they're the ones that have allowed this shit. I, I wholeheartedly agree, but how how do you even begin to do that when the institutions themselves have these policies and these procedures and these things in place to where we're handling this internally means we don't have to give the police any information. Yeah. We don't have to give any any kind of law enforcement agency any kind of information and if we don't want. you're still talking about the Deep South. Yeah, you know? and and we have to protect our students' privacy and different things like that becomes this whole thing where this where it's an institutional cover up. Yeah, and it happens every day. It's happening right now at every major school that we know. And it's every it's one so of crazy because there's all these like conspiracy theories out there because you know the the Tony Busby the the lawyer that's handling these lawsuits. Um, used to live next door to the owner of the Texans. They were like buddies. They used to, you know, hang out or whatever. And if Deshaun Watson had been doing this, like, like what the evidence suggests for a long time, I wouldn't doubt if the owner had a lot of knowledge about what he was doing and, you know, maybe was paying people off. Maybe he was, you know, taking care of stuff. And now that Deshaun Watson wants out, he's like, well, all right, just let all this shit go now. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's crazy. Like, I, I mean, yeah, because this dude, the the guy that owns the Texans, um, one of the worst owners in the league. I mean, they had, I think it was five pro bowlers on their team like three years ago, and, and Deshaun Watson's the only one left, and he's trying to leave. Like, J.J. Watt already left. I mean – all their good players already left. And and this is the owner that came out and, you know, had a had a lot of controversy on comments that he made about players kneeling. And it was one of the reasons why Kenny Stills didn't last very long down there. He always said that guy was a racist, you know. Um, it just it, – it's so crazy to me that, like, I don't know. It's just there's so much like so much wild stuff going on. You know what I mean? Like these these guys and and these owners are just as crooked as anybody. I mean, this is the same stuff that Robert Kraft like got all his charges dropped on, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, again, these guys feel like they can treat these women any way they want because of their profession, and history tells them that they can. Yeah. And maybe this is a step in telling them that they can't. I mean, let's hope. Let's hope, but but I do find the timing of all of this rather interesting. I a lot do, of circumstantial evidence, a lot. you know what I mean? It, there's just, a lot. There's know. a lot, but they're supposed their attorney is going to release their evidence. Uh, today, they're actually going to file and give their evidence to law enforcement today. Yeah, I heard there's supposed to be some text messages, so I don't know. Uh, 
We'll see. We'll see how yeah. it goes. It's just uh, like the world of conspiracy theories. Like that's it's going crazy with this because there is there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. Like I mean, this guy was was uh, McNair's buddy. You know, they probably had cookouts together and shit, drank some beers together in the backyard. You know, jeez. It's going to be interesting for sure. (laughs) So thank you so much for tuning in. We are indigenous. We're independent. And we're them damn Indians at Talk Jive Radio.